Welcome back everyone to the Chip Lunch Podcast. My name is Joel and I am flying solo as a host today because other people don't think this podcast is as important as I do. <laughs> However, we always have a guest and we have a guest joining us today because we, we always like to set set sail on a journey to hear about someone's Christian Christian walk. <laughs> and today, today's voyage is with Sandy Bailey. Hello. Hello. Well, welcome to the podcast. It's been lovely to have you on for the first minute of the podcast. That's what I should be saying at the end of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're saying you're a bit, you're a little bit nervous, though. You want to? Uh, why is that? I'd probably prefer to be in your seat and asking oh, the interview- questions oh, really? rather than answering the questions. Okay. So are you usually interviewing other people? Is that why? Um, I have done for a l- long portion like of my career. Job interviews? Um, oh, job interviews, mm-hmm. but um, I worked in workers' comp rehab for a really long oh, time yes. and you do a lot of interviewing of So workers. are you faking it? Is that basically what you're doing? Not quite. <laughs> um, <laughs> or you had a set of questions to figure out if they were faking it? <laughs> yeah, so just in coordinating someone's rehab, you interview them, you've got to interview their employer and mm. find out what their job involves. So yeah, yep. so usually doing a lot of the question asking, mm. not so much the question the answering. tables have turned. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, don't worry about it. Lots of people come on here and say, oh, I haven't got anything to say, and now podcast goes for an hour. So We'll see. <laughs> and you have to have a, tra- you have a train to catch very s- reasonably do. soon. Are you, are you willing to reveal what that train is? Yeah, I'm going to for? see a friend of mine who is in hospital. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> Didn't think that. I thought it was like, I'm going to see a friend of mine, and uh, we're going out for dinner. <laughs> like, no. Uh, okay. All right. Sorry to um, bring it down on that. Uh, welcome to the podcast, as I said. Now, are you ready for me to ask the first question? I am. How do you like to eat your hot chips? Well, um, you'll be very pleased. I am plain salt yes. all the way. And always works really well when <laughs> the other hosts aren't here. Good job. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry, Ethan and Braden. <laughs> Don't apologise. Um, <laughs> do not apologise. Uh, so that will bring the tally. Oh, now, see, this is what you did. You did show me. You have gone through every episode and tallied up who has gone chicken salt and plain salt. Is that right? I have. Amazing. This is amazing. So, with my plain salt edition, yes, the scores will Come be. On. Yes, tell me, tell me. Chicken salt, thirty-five. Oh, hang on. This is going to be close then. Plain salt, twenty-seven. Oh, I'm still behind though. We're still behind. But my preference would probably be at this point to have sweet potato chips. Oh, really? With plain salt. With plain salt, yes. And aioli. Yes, that does go nicely with sweet potato. But my my growing up fave was the potato potato chips with plain salt. Sometimes a bit of vinegar, but mm. definitely the wrapped in newspaper variety. Oh, really? And Pref- preferably consumed on a wet, cold day. Yes, That's that is weather. really nice. It is very nice, isn't it? And sometimes there's something about eating it outside in that kind of weather. As long as you're undercover, yes. if it's wet. Or in right. a car, looking yes. out over the ocean. Open up the boot. That is cool. Um, yep, or uh, very hastily grabbing them before you hopped on the bus on the way home from school. Oh, yes. That, that, that is something about yeah, after school, when you finish school early, you could go and get chips. Or We used to, on a Wednesday at my school, we used to go down near Gaimi Station and there was a place, I can't remember what it was called, but we'd all go there because they had cheap burgers. Cheap burger yeah. and chips, yep. So. No, mine was not early because I went to a private school. Oh, did you? And spent probably about an hour and a half each way commuting to school. Really? And so it would be probably about 25 past four when I'd got off the train at Miranda and the bus driver was really cool and he'd wait for us so he'd know that we were in there getting nice potato idea. scallops or potato <laughs> chips. So he's like, as long as you get me one. And he'd, he'd wait for the, for us to get our chips and then get on the bus. So. That's awesome. Hmm. Yeah, cool. All right, so hang on. Is there, like you've done the whole tally. Does that, I was asking you this before we started recording, but did you actually listen to every podcast or just at ha- the start I of have, every podcast? I have not finished listening to Beth's. Okay. Which was Which has only just today. come out. Yes, yes. that's only just come out. Lovely. So, but I have listened to everybody else's. Well, thank you very much for listening to all the all the podcasts because that's really cool. And you do it on a, a morning walk, is that right? I usually do. Yeah. How so long How long is the walk? Is it um, a, a, as long as a podcast? 45 minutes to an hour. <laughs> yeah, okay. So some of them have gone a little bit longer. Mm. So um, I might pause it and then listen to the remainder the next morning when <laughs> yeah. I go for a walk. Yeah. But 
Um, yeah. Is it going for going for a walk? Is every morning? Pretty much most mornings. Tell me, tell me why? Why do you go for a walk every morning? Because um, I, I like I like this. Partly because I wanted to improve my fitness mm. and improve my weight. Get some movement. Um, get some movement. But I yeah, I really enjoy walking. I prefer to walk outside. I will go yes. to the gym and go on the treadmill, but that's not no. as preferable. That's no way. But as at good the as moment that. it's um super dark yeah. when I'm going for a walk. It is, isn't it? If I'm going into the office I'm out walking at about five thirty five. So mm. it's pitch black at the yeah. moment. It is really I mean I think when we're, when we're recording this Sunday, I think is when daylight saving comes Kick. off, doesn't yep. it? So that will be that will make things a little bit brighter. Yep. But I have noticed how dark it has been recently. Mm. It's. Uh, do you reckon it like? I feel like I'm sleeping differently, or I'm like I wake up groggy because I'm like my body thinks I should still be asleep because it's darker. Or you're Quite just possibly. you're same you're same time every every day though, are you? Oh, similar. Yeah. Yeah. Usually yeah, yeah. Somewhere between five thirty and six. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually similar to that too, but I don't. I've got three young children to get out the door. <laughs> I don't Pass have time for an face. hour walk. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> you get to get that walk in. And do you get to like spend some time kind of like thinking about things and stuff like that when you're walking? Yeah, like sometimes I'll just listen to music. Mm. Um, I, I sometimes bump into people from church. Oh, that's cool. Shout out to Luke Crawshaw who oh, really? spied me one morning oh. and let me cross the road in front of it's a driver. was following you. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so sometimes I'll listen to music, sometimes I'll listen to a version um, devotion. Oh, um, yeah, nice. Yeah. Or well, how do they go? Because I haven't tried any of them before. Um, they're good. Um, it's interesting depending on whether you choose, which translation of the Bible <laughs> you choose to listen to. Yep. Um, someone's spoken on this podcast already about the guy who reads the NIV one having quite a deep oh, sort yes, of yes. Um, serious voice. <laughs> That's true. Um, <laughs> The guy who reads the um, oh, what's it called? The more a more contemporary version um, is a little bit easier to listen to. And sometimes I like to listen to a different translation mm. that I'm not as familiar with because it can put a slightly different spin on um, a very familiar mm. Bible passage. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. I um I read a story about like just talking about walking. I read a story about uh, I believe the philosopher Kierkegaard. So he's Danish and he would, I think, oh, I've got to get this right, he would like write for four hours on whatever he was walking, talking about or thinking about and then he would get out and walk for four hours because he felt like that would help him figure out his thoughts but also he'd be part of the, the community of wherever he was. I think he might have been in Copenhagen and to actually start thinking about like it would inform his writing, but then it also he'd be processing his thoughts. So I think you're right. I think there's something about, there is something about walking, isn't there, that you can just hmm. get, get things done that are important, but you can't get done other times, but you're also exercising at the same yeah. time. So it makes a lot of sense. Hmm. Right. Well, you've talked about listening to the Bible, so that means you're a Christian <laughs> a lot of the time. <laughs> what um, The next second question we always ask everyone is, uh, how did you become a Christian? Uh, well, I had the immense privilege of growing up in a Christian family. So um, similar to some other people, there's probably not a time uh, in my life that I don't rem- that I didn't know God, didn't yeah. know Jesus, didn't know about going to church. Um, I didn't always think that way. Um, I think as, you know, I went through my teenage years, um, there was a sort of um, sense of it would not be nice to have a bit more of a dramatic conversion um, and have a really clear, defined point of, you know, when you were a non-Christian to when you were a Christian. Um, But as I've grown older, uh, I certainly have recognised that having grown up in a Christian family had a lot of benefits mm. and um, have come to appreciate that. And so something that we always talk about with people that grew up in Christian families and a lot of them say, oh, I didn't know any different, really, um, which is sometimes hard for me to wrap my head around because I come from a non-Christian mm. family. Um, and it also is something that makes me think, like, what are my children going to be like? Because... Both my wife and I come from not Christian families, but they're growing up in a Christian family, so it's very different. But mm. what um, there's always those people that we talk about that have grown up in a Christian family. They always talk about these moments where, they're like, I had to take on the, my faith myself, or uh, I moved away from it, or I needed. <laughs> I thought I needed to have a 
more dramatic uh, conversion. <laughs> what are there, there's moments in your life that you can remember yeah. that, that. So, when I was fourteen, I definitely made a choice to have a faith of my own, and I was baptized at that um, that stage. Was it massively different? Probably not, but at least it was my choice. It wasn't just that I was, you know, going to church because my parents and my family did. Um, but then, you know, different life circumstances as I've grown older have certainly challenged that at different times. Yeah. yeah. And so did you grow up in the Shire? I am not a Shire girl. No, that's okay. <laughs> I was not born in the Shire. Neither was I, don't worry. I, uh, I migrated down here when um, down. Back, in, back in the three-term school years, so that gives you some idea of how old I am before Look. we had four terms. I, I don't want to cast aspersions. <laughs> so. um, <laughs> I moved down here in what used to be the August school holidays From of where year though? six, and I'd grown up at Maroubra. Oh, okay. In the eastern right. suburbs. Right, right. Nice. Yeah. Um, and so for my last term of year six, I refused to change schools. So I would catch the train from Miranda to Bondi Junction mm-hmm. and then get a bus from Bondi Junction to Wallara where I was going to school. And is that the private school you're talking about or was no, that for high school? so my high school is where okay. I went to a private school. So why were you so intent on not changing schools you just wanted to finish all of school yeah i'd gone to an oc class so i'd changed schools in year five (laughs) um from maroobra junction primary uh to walara and i didn't want to leave my friends a term early because i knew that at the end of year six we would all be going our different ways anyway Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay so that's quite a long way to travel as a what you would have been 11 11 12 yep, 11 11 uh anything you can tell us about that time did it teach you anything having to travel that far um well my dad um would come on the train with me okay. and initially he would come through to bondi junction and put me on the bus um so first of all he came on the bus with me and dropped me at school then he just put me on the bus at bondi junction and then once i was confident he'd get off at martin place and I'd continue on to Bondi Junction and do it all myself. Um, I do remember having an experience because I'd catch the train, like the bus and the train home on my own. Um, I do remember being hugged by what would have been probably um, a homeless, intoxicated man. Sounds like uh, an enjoyable experience for <laughs> um, When I was, yeah, at Bondi Junction mm. and... Um, I just remember thinking it was strange, but I wasn't like I don't think I was super super scared from what I remember. Well, that's, that's good yeah. that it worked out that way for you. Yeah. But yeah, could be uh, that could could have had could have gone a lot worse. Yeah. That's what we could say about that, wouldn't it? Um, so then you moved to the so you'd moved to the Shire. Yep. High school. You said you went to a private school. Yes, what school I was did. that? I went to MLC at Burwood. MLC, does that stand for? It stood for Methodist Ladies College, but the Methodist Church was no longer sort of functioning, so it was just called MLC School, and it came under the Uniting Church banner. Mm. Every time I hear MLC, it makes me think of the investment bank, you know, the the ads they used to have with that, that golden egg? the golden egg. Yeah, that's what it made me think of. Is there no golden eggs at actual MLC, the school? There were many other suggestions for what it stood for. Okay, you know, I'm just guessing you're not going to say them. Oh, or is it? Some of them were like, man's last chance. <laughs> <laughs> All the stupid things that, you know, teenagers would come up with. <laughs> That's really funny. Um, I'm so, uh, sorry, what suburb was that in? It's in Burwood. Oh, it's in Burwood. So you, then you're catching the train to Redfern and then out to Burwood? Yep. Right. Tell me about the private school experience and what it's like, because I, I didn't go to a private school. Um. It's very interesting. I actually, I, I'll, I'll be honest, I really enjoyed my high school. I enjoyed... That's um, great. You don't have to be sad <laughs> about enjoying your um, high school experience. Uh, I was not a popular kid. Um, I was probably a poor kid by that school's standards right. in that, you know, at the time I came from a single car family. Um, when I got my learner's permit... My dad did not buy me a blue BMW yep. or a Suzuki Vitara. 
Suzuki. which was um, very common. Oh, sorry. It's a big difference between Suzuki Vitara and BMW. But anyway, any any yeah. car, any car would have been um, great. But so yeah, so uh, it was. There was a lot of affluent. very very affluent people. Um, my parents chose to invest in my brother and I um, very generously for us both to learn musical instruments and played paid a lot of money in both tuition and purchase of instruments. I see. And so I suppose what I learnt in time was that they invested in us rather than in material possessions. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I did enjoy that I only competed against girls. Um, I, you know, people often said, oh, you know, but going to a single-sex school, do you, you know, how do you learn to relate to the opposite sex? Well, I had three hours every day on the train with plenty of boys, so there was plenty of socialising mm. with the opposite sex. That's it. Um, and, yeah, I mean, there were things that I didn't like about school oh, in that... Um, we're always going to be like that. Yeah, being such an affluent place, I really remember Mufti Day being something that I really despised Um, and so I think probably by the time I got to year 10 I would pay the gold coin donation and wear my uniform rather than try and compete in the affluent fashion stakes. Mm, I see and did you you just pretend that you forgot because I remember once I forgot a Mufti Day I I got back in the car and drove home. I got changed and came back to school. No, I like it was probably something that I, by that point I just really didn't care. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And what's it like what's the Christian influence on that place? Was it was it sorry, I shouldn't say on that school on that that place sounds um I'm like I'm <laughs> casting aspersions on that school as well. Um but what's is was there a Christian influence at that school? Yeah, so um at that time um, when I was at school, um, the headmaster was actually a reverend uh, and went on to become the moderator of the Uniting Church. Mm-hmm. So it was uh, very overtly Christian. Um, we had a chaplain uh, at school and every day we would have assembly that consisted of um, singing a hymn from the Blue Australian Hymn Book. Oh. Um, and Are there other colours you can collect? Is that what you're saying? I don't know. I we just think the there will one. be people that know exactly what hymn book I'm talking okay. about. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was um, quite overtly Christian at that time. Um as opposed to a lot of those private schools that sit under the banner of a church not necessarily being overtly Christian. And did that have an impact on your faith and your Christian walk? Um, yes, but not necessarily positively. That's okay. It tells <laughs> so, why. Um, We're here for all stories, not just some, not just the positive ones. I, I think... Um, there was, you know, probably much like there is today, there's a lot of stereotype and negativity about Christianity, right. um, which was the same back then. And I already felt like I was, you know, I wasn't in the popular trendy group and I really didn't want to identify even further with a group that wasn't um, positively revered. Um, so I, people knew that I was a Christian, but I, refused to go to any of the Christian groups at school. So we had crusaders and I just did not want to identify with them at all. Um, But I was quite happy to go to church and go to youth group and invite some of my friends to youth group, even school friends, in my local area. Just didn't want to do it at school. I want to ask you about church and youth group, but in in a second I was just going to ask you why did you not want to identify with that at school? Do you think you were already, you already felt on the outer and didn't want to? Yeah, be I was probably. I was probably. You know, if you talk about the daggy spectrum, <laughs> I was probably already down. You know, the less popular daggy end and didn't want to <laughs> yeah. slide even further down that continuum. I'm not, just so you know, I'm not <laughs> laughing at you. I just think daggy is a funny word. That's all. Okay, but it was. So it was more about like how you perceived at school as yeah. well. Yeah. We, yeah. Just and wanting to be accepted and not wanting to mm. stand out which is but that's the thing at school isn't it like for any age it's like don't want to look too much on the outer because yeah. you and then you'll go but like you're not popular so i'll just 
try and cruise in the middle and not fly under the radar. Uh, yeah. yeah, fly under the radar because then I won't be exposed. And I think that's like we've talked about before. Like even when we have Braden and Ethan on and myself, like some of it, uh, me and Braden have talked about it in particular of not feeling like we really stood out enough and regretting that because it would actually be a way of first of all standing out but also like I think you could show that you could love other people the way you wanted to or the way like you were inspired to by Jesus so I can that's why I said it's it's okay to have some stories where you don't feel very very maybe uh, positive about your choices that you made at that time but that's okay because it's all a process it's all it's all a journey as I said yeah um so yeah, youth group and church. So what church were you going to? And then what was youth group like? Okay, so um, my family came from a Church of Christ background. Okay. Um, so when uh, we moved down here, I was at Bar Church of Christ. Um, and uh, so I probably started coming um, there when I was sort of in year four because we used to come down this way anyway to go to my grandparents every um, second Sunday. And then we moved down here, so I was at that church until I was 18, 19, mm, mm. yeah. And what's youth group like? Um, oh, but before I ask you that, can you, for someone who doesn't know, yeah. those of us on the podcast listening or hosting it, um, what is, what's the difference between Churches of Christ and, and as an Anglican church, for example? Um, is there many differences? Oh, look, there's... I think if you talk about it in a continuum, they're probably a little bit more liberal than mm. um, the Anglican Church, um, but they believe the same thing. So um, it's the same God. We believe in, you know, Jesus died and he rose again on the third, third day and mm-hmm. it was, you know, um, he basically atoned for our sins and it's through that that we have a relationship with God. So mm. the basic premise is the same. It's probably just some of the religious rules and practices that, different yeah right cool that's fine like i said i just didn't know myself uh and then youth group what was youth group like yeah youth group was a lot of fun um i was a bit of a tomboy i think um anna said she was a bit of a tomboy growing up i was pretty much i love how you keep referencing all the different episodes you've listened to by the way Um, but keep keep going please (laughs) yeah so i was um a bit of a tomboy and um what does that what does that mean though what does that look like for you oh for me i would yeah, I would – I can't remember one particular family at church had three boys, um, twin boys and an, and an older boy, and he was very similar age to me and we used to go out in the tinny, go whomping in the tinny <laughs> out, board hacking, right. and, um, you know, I'd be there in board shorts and swimmers just like the boys basically <laughs> and would do everything the boys did. Mm. Yeah, I wasn't a particular girly girl. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, but I remember, you know, having a great time. Um, I used to love um, going down to Stanwell Tops, which is a Church of Christ campsite down there and, um, yeah, playing wide games, you know, crawling through the bush in the dark with camo paint on your face <laughs> and doing chalk chases. Yeah, um, that's I think always fun. An all-time fave was the time that you had to go down and this is the pre-digital era, so you had a uh, disposable camera. Yes, And um, Very good. you'd have to, like, where Caring by Church of Christ was, was on the corner of the Kingsway and Jacaranda near the swimming pool. Yep. And we had to go all the way down to Cronulla police station and get a photo in the back of a paddy wagon as part of the chalk wow, chase. So did you commit a crime to be honest with that or you just so requested? Poor, the poor police at Cronulla station just had a random collection of teenagers streaming in hey, at different stages. Yeah. Can I get a photo in the back of and a paddy like, wagon? Oh, <laughs> Christians. Probably. As my dad would call them, the God Squad. Yeah. <laughs> um, and probably uh, I... I did eat a lot as a teenager, even though I was an absolute twig. Um, so probably a personal fave was the progressive or the regressive dinners. Okay, progressive, I understand. What's regressive? You, you have can, dessert first oh, and you go backwards. I thought it might like you just have like smaller and smaller portions or something. No. <laughs> just eat your, eat your dinner backwards. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, they were always fun. Yeah. 
I've and done I think that before. We were really lucky at that time. We had some um, combined events. So I do remember one time going out to where somewhere all the ride people would be very familiar with mm-hmm. um, Macquarie Ice Rink and oh, actually yes. having a combined um, youth event where youth groups um, from all over Sydney came and mm. just went ice skating. Yeah. Do you consider yourself a dab hand at ice skating? Uh, I can go in both directions. Oh, well, see, yeah, that's better than me, not, I reckon. not backwards, so I wouldn't say I'm a dab hand. You can go in ba- back both directions. Yeah, like, so you oh, can go clockwise and oh, anti-clockwise, okay. I which some th- people can't even do that. <laughs> I think I, I can do that. can't go backwards. Yeah, okay. I thought you were saying you could go backwards. Yeah. I can't go backwards yet. Yet. It's like I go ice skating every week. Yeah. Not true. Uh, I think the last time I went ice skating was in Melbourne years ago. Anyway, that's yeah. enough reminiscence from me. Um, I was just going to ask you the question, like you describe yourself as a tomboy. Was that? Do you think that was a conscious choice? Because you talked about when you were at school, like it was a conscious choice not to be part of the Christian groups. Do you think being a tomboy was as well? Um, well, I had an older brother and two male cousins that I grew up with. You so would be a bit like them. So, you know, I hung out with them. I was yeah. indoctrinated into... Um, what was back then, touring car racing. Oh, were you? Let's the talk. pre-V8 supercar So era. Australian Touring Car Championship. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Who's so your favourite driver? Oh, gosh. Why are it's you a rolling bit your eyes? Why? <laughs> well, it wasn't necessarily by choice that I watched Oh, you these just things. had to I watch just, it. It was just majority rules. Oh, you're right. Pre-streaming. Yes. You, you know, it was majority rules gets to watch whatever so how old are you watching the touring cars oh gosh probably from 12 Mm. the age of 12 onwards maybe a bit younger what's your biggest what's your best memory about touring cars because i'll be able to hang hang um, with you a little bit probably hitting the kangaroo at the top of mount panorama yes who hit that kangaroo Uh, ford driver it was a ford Um, and i can't remember who actually hit it was marcus ambrose can't remember i can't I but I do remember, remember all of the, you know, big rivalries. Did you see? On. Did you see the recent one a few years ago? Was an echidna on the track? Yes. Yeah. Always, it's always on that same part of, part Mount, of Panorama Mount, Mount Panorama coming out yep. to the cutting. It's always the same. So yeah, so I suffered through that, and then it was <laughs> Formula One. And oh then one yes, of my cousins talk to me more. Also, um, uh, took up riding motorbikes so then it was MotoGP. Oh right lots of motor racing I love mm. this I'm very happy to talk <laughs> as long as as long as possible about this um, I'm trying to find I liked old Formula One I don't Did like you? new Formula One so much uh, old Formula One is what era oh probably the more 90s. around Senna and stuff that, oh yeah, and Senna's my favourite driver um, where it's a bit more competitive I think you know they've changed so much about the sport in terms of the vehicles that Mm, There's true. not as much variation. It's sort of whoever ends up on pole position, unless they crash out, they pretty much win. Pretty much. Or break down. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm just. I've just looked up a YouTube video of all the times kangaroos have invaded Bathurst. But that's that's the 2020 Bathurst 12 hour. So that's not the one you're talking about. Um, right. So you didn't have much choice in that one. No. So and it was really so. We, so back to back to the question. It was just like you didn't really have a choice, but you just wanted it was just to hang what out. I did, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. So towards the – in terms of like talking about your Christian faith, towards the end of high school, does anything change? Because um, then at some point you start to make more choices for yourself rather yeah, than – Yeah, not I'd so much towards the end of high school because I'm uh, young for my years. So, um, and I didn't get my licence until I was at uni. Um, Suzuki Fadara? No. <laughs> Suzuki Fadara is a funny guy. Inherited the family Bombador. Bombador, I like yeah. that. <laughs> My wife's first car was a big Ford station wagon, and because the number plate was WOB, they call it the Bobby Gong. Uh, and it was just like this big. It was like this big animal that lived on the seabed, just travelling around the yeah. Shire. Well, I had the the Bombador, which was the car that really should have had a six cylinder engine, but only had a four cylinder, <laughs> so it was a bit of a slug. Just didn't it was really cream. move. With Ooh. a beige vinyl interior. Goodness. Um, <laughs> and its number plate was LOL oh. 375. <laughs> I think LOL meant nothing back then, but now I think it was a fairly apt name yeah, for that car. That, that's, that is, that combo, 
cream on the outside, cream on the inside. Ooh, it's beautiful. Not really mm. what – it's. No. I don't know really what inspired your parents to buy I don't know. such a gorgeous motor car. <laughs> it was horrendous and I was very good at um, – I'd always have a hammer in the car because when I drove to uni, uh, the starter motor was a bit bodgy. So I learned. Oh, that I thought you were going to say you had to fight off men. No, the way you did it was you hit, you hit it, and uh, yep. you know you tap the solenoid, and you'd be able yes. to start the car again. I've yeah. heard about that, but I've never done it. But did it? Did it start every time? Uh, it did until you know it didn't eventually. Yeah, and okay. I had to pay, replace the starter motor, but as a poor oh, uni I student, say, I thought you were going to say the car. But oh, I did. I ended up selling motor. the car, and yeah. For a tidy profit, I'm sure. <laughs> I was just—I think I was just relieved to see it go. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take it at any price. Bye bye. <laughs> You're out yep. of here. Right. So, what did you do at uni? I did a bachelor of applied science in yeah. occupational therapy. Oh wow! But you don't do that now, do you? No, I ne- I went and did further study when I finished uni, oh. and I now work in workplace health and safety. Oh, okay. So, what was this? So, did you do the OT? course sorry i was trying to remember the name was you did an ot course and then you just go straight into the well when i did the course it was three and a half years so they compressed a four-year degree into three and a half years so i finished and had six months off and i off study i went straight into a job and then i enrolled straight away to start my master's the following year oh so you you didn't enjoy it that much that you're like i need to change no, I just wanted to go into a particular field, so I wanted to also go into more of a preventative role. So In terms of uh, helping people not hurt themselves at work? Yep. Why was that? I find that really interesting because I, I, personally, that's something I would like, one of the least things I would want to do. Um, I think I was just interested in the whole concept of, you know... Um, ergonomics and design and okay. the human body and stuff like that so that fits the science degree yeah but less so the ot after you've injured yourself you want to prevent yes. people having to have ot yep exactly wow so um yeah so that's you know how i you know when i finished uni there were sort of three areas that i was genuinely interested in working in mm-hmm. Um, and I went into the occupational rehab area, which was one of those areas, and then went, I'd like to do some of the preventative stuff. So I went and did more study. Mm. And I went from being an undergrad at Sydney Uni to being a postgrad at New South. Strutting around the campus. I've done this before. Well, it was very interesting (laughs) because I'd literally had six months of not being at uni, but the difference in the way you were treated Mm. as a postgrad to what you were treated as an undergrad was very marked and I sat there going and this is all with the passage of six months and yeah. you know and, uh, <laughs> and I've I had a break and now I get treated really well <laughs> yeah well I think they realize that there are a lot of people who are working full-time and doing their masters mm-hmm. and um, they you know were a bit more lenient like if you can't get the assignment in come and talk to us we'll negotiate an alternative time frame yeah right without penalty as opposed to you don't get it in at uni at that time was like you were losing 5% a day. Mm-hmm. A day? <laughs> a day. Wow. I don't know if I ever handed in on an assignment late. I don't think I did. doesn't mean they were good. But I don't, yeah, I don't know if I ever handed anything late. Um, I was just going to ask you, did you engage in any Christian groups while you were there? Because like, if you finished school at 18, you said, were you at that Church of Christ? Church I was at Church of Christ until, well... Caring about Church of Christ until I was sort of um, 18 and a half, yes. which was probably the end of my first year at uni. Okay. Um, and then I changed to Engadine Church of Christ, mm. um, which was interesting because it was very much just me. So uh, obviously I had... Well, out of your family. Yeah, yeah, so I'd always grown up with being in a church and I was either... Dennis's daughter, Maria's daughter, Matthew's sister. Oh, so now it was just me. Sorry, I just kicked you again. But. Very much, um, you know, that was probably one of those points where it was really, it was a choice of mine and it mm. was really owning my own faith and mm. doing my own thing. But no, I um, definitely did not go to any Christian groups at uni. This I had not changed. School. I didn't. I had I didn't not changed I in my uh, <laughs> perception from um, high school. Yeah. 
Isn't that interesting? Like we've like we've only just really like got to where we're talking about um, going to uni, but we're talking a lot about like the different choices that you made. It's quite interesting. Yeah. So we, we, might, did, we might have a title idea already. <laughs> to put it into context, I went to Cumberland College of Health Sciences. It had been amalgamated into Sydney Uni. It was at Lidcombe. Yes. And my entry to uni was, welcome, here are your nine subjects for first year. And nine I'd been, And I'd been to main campus Sydney Uni with my cousins and I remember saying to the person, don't I get to choose my own subjects? And they went, nope, here's your nine subjects. Move along. And that was it. And it was literally at that point, it was like an extension of school that had boys was really the difference. And I think when I first started, I had 28 hours at uni a week. That's a lot. The lowest I got to was 16 hours a week in my last eight weeks of my final year. And were you regretting your choice of going back to study? Because of that? No? no he loves no. it? Yeah, I enjoyed That's learning. Good. So, Yeah, cool. What are you doing as a job in between that? Well, you didn't have time if you're doing that much. You wouldn't have much time. Oh, look, when I, was at, when I was at uni, I worked in retail and I worked in hospitality. When I finished my um, OT degree, I got a job working in, full-time in occupational rehab and mm. then studied, uh, did my master's degree part-time. Yeah, right. Study is a big... Big part of your life after school, not during school. And you said, like, I didn't ask you a little bit about, why did you choose to move to Ingerdine? Is it because you wanted to take on some choice for yourself? Um, well, um, the minister that had been at the church sort of through my teenage years had gone and he'd gone to a church in Melbourne. And the um, church had been searching for a, a new minister and my dad was an elder at the church and had been very involved with that. And I'll just say, I don't love politics, but church politics That's is a bit probably the ugliest sport of all. And um, Some would de- say it's not a sport. <laughs> um, a decision was made um, that a minister that had been at the church before was going to come back. And... Um, you know, even though I was young, like I think I was only 17 and a half at the time, I didn't think that was the best decision for the church because I felt that in the five years that he'd been gone, the church had changed, there were new people, but there were still some of the same people. And I thought, oh, he's going to come back and he'll know half the congregation and not the other half. And I didn't think it was the right fit, but I... Stuck at it. I think I lasted about six months and then just went, no, I don't think this is for me. Yeah, that's and interesting. So I chose to go and find somewhere else. And if we're talking about your faith, is that something that you considered especially and like prayed about it a fair bit? Because I feel like when I, if I was that young, I probably was going, yes, I made this decision. Like. Like, to be honest, I don't think I really prayed about it at the time. Mm. Um, I just thought, no, this isn't the place for me Mm. and I didn't think it was going to um, do my faith journey any favours. So Mm. it was time to look for something else Mm. that might be a better option. Well, I find it interesting that you were talking about I didn't think that was going to do well for my my faith and, and... so you already were thinking about it, which is quite mm. interesting. Um, I don't know if I have a question after that. I was just really making a comment. but So if you... Uh, <laughs> sorry about that. Sorry. <laughs> if you were doing uni and you stayed at Ingerdine Congre- uh, sorry, Churches of Christ, I should get that right, for the whole time of being at uni? Yes. All right. So then you finish your master's. Yep. Big success. <laughs> what are you doing now that you've finished your master's, do you get well, into combo claims? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've still been doing that. So by the time I've finished my master's, I'm actually now married. Oh. And we must, yes, we must rewind a little bit. <laughs> so we'll save whatever's after that end to after we talked about how you got married. <laughs> so did you just turn up to the altar and there was a yeah, way you, a a we go? Yeah, you'll <laughs> yeah, do. Okay. No. Now, um, tell us how you met Liam. 
the minister that had been at my church during my teenage years went to be the minister of Liam's church oh, yes. in Melbourne. Oh, in Melbourne, yes. And I had done a lot of babysitting of their three boys. And so I said, I'm not saying goodbye. I'm saying hello, free holiday. Oh, yes, I will turn up. so <laughs> I was in my uh, second year of uni. And in the mid-year break, I took myself to Melbourne. Booked oh. in with them to Come and go visit. and visit. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it, was, it had been an interesting six months up until that point um, and I had I had called Paul who's the minister and said you know I'm coming down and blah 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 and as we were organising things he then dropped into the conversation that he would get some of the young people from church to show me round in particular there was this guy <laughs> and show you the sights <laughs> And it was, there's this guy, he's tall, he's blonde, he's musical, you two should get on well. Mm-hmm. And that really didn't go down well because okay. of... How dare you tell me <laughs> just what the of kind of man I should like. <laughs> <laughs> well, just because of some social things. Like I'd had a couple of people set me up and I'd had some pretty bad experiences at church with... Oh, hang on a sec. <laughs> You didn't talk about this. Okay, let's finish the... <laughs> anyway, so I went to Melbourne. <laughs> so I went to Melbourne and that's where I met Liam. Right. And so for two and a half years, we did long distance between long, yeah. Sydney and Melbourne. Uh, and yes, that was pre-digital. So that was no mobile phones, mm. no FaceTime, no mm. texting, no... Um, how many letters did Emails you write? How many letters did you write? By oh, pen? hundreds. Hundreds. Yeah. The best that we had was um, Express Post, which <laughs> was if you got it in the mail that afternoon, they'd get it the next day. Yeah, exactly. Four, and, pop, four 6 p.m., I think. And we had basically, I think, two or three phone calls a week because back then everything was an STD call mm. and it was quite expensive. Oh, that's right. They would charge mm. you more money even if it was outside of New South Wales. Yep. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. That's really interesting. So then he moved to Sydney. Um, now, uh, why did he move to Sydney, Sydney? <laughs> of course. And uh, so he moved up in the January and we got engaged that July and got married the following August. Right. Very cool. And where, what church did you get married in? Did you go to Melbourne or did you get married? No, we got here? married in Sydney. Yep. We actually got married at an Anglican church. Oh. But by a Church of Christ minister, the minister that introduced yes. us. Wow. <laughs> Very, um, I don't know what the right word is, could be de- deemed controversial, but we'll see that. It had the permission of the bishop. And so. that's, that's great. Um, and so how long have you been married now? Uh, it'll be 28 years 28 in years. August. It's probably older than you. You think I'm younger than 28? Is that, what you, is that what you're saying? How old do you think I am? Actually, you've got three children. I so do. you're probably... I love this when people think I'm younger than I am. 32. <laughs> I'm 36. No, there you go. <laughs> oh, well, you look... Yeah, yeah. Anyway. So, yes, I'm 36 years old. Uh, glad you think I'm younger. That's good. Um, my only if Ethan was here, it'd be older than him. Yes, I think that. Yes, you are. That is correct. You have been married longer than he's been in existence. Existence, yeah. Uh, so he, I like just before we continue on talking about being a wife and a mum, talking about these <laughs> these times where people set you up on dates. Mm. So do people have a picture in their mind of who you were? And then they're like, oh, that person would be a perfect match for you. This sounds like a a real 90s thing. Is that true? Look, it was just, I think, in my peer group at uni, I was the only one that was single. Okay. Everybody else had a partner. Trying to set you up all the Um, time. I was part of a Bible study group and they were all coupled up. Okay. And there was me and one guy who was single and the guy who was... You guys should get together. Oh, yes. (laughs) Now, the guy who was single was really 
lovely and we were really great friends, but I was not interested in a romantic just wasn't relationship. A, yeah, there wasn't a bit of a spark for a romantic relationship. And, yes, there was a lot of pushing to put us together. Um, he may have made an attempt in that domain. Well, and fair enough. But I didn't subscribe to it, yes. which consequently resulted in me sort of then being pushed to the outer because I mm. didn't go along with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, there were some pretty choice moments in there. Probably the ultimate was the moment I chose on a Sunday night after church to swear at the minister <laughs> who had been involved. <laughs> in trying to set you up. Well, yes, and some social events that I'd been excluded from. So Really? Yeah, I might oh. have uttered that I didn't care uh, if so-and-so had died. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was probably one of my more interesting moments. Mm. It was not the minister that married us or introduced I, us. Uh, but I understand. Consequently, I'd had a couple of people then try and set me up, which I was like, oh, gosh. How, how and then f- if it's not working... And how to feel like a social leper at the age yeah, of 18. And people want to keep making you yeah. do that. <laughs> is this contributing to why you move churches as well? It would have yeah. been, yes. <laughs> well, that's fair enough. That's like, just give, the, give you a Because I'm sitting there thinking, I'm 18 and you're making me feel like I'm an old maid. So, um, yes, so there are quite a few things. Mm. It was just like, I need to just move on. Mm. And, um, yeah, so I did. And then I met Liam, which I was not looking for... A boyfriend at all. It wasn't and your intention. Yeah. No. Yeah. And my mum's final words were, do not find a boyfriend in Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> yep. However, yeah. you had other ideas. So uh, uh, the question, I like, for those that do come on the podcast that are married and also have children, because you have two children mm-hmm. in, hang on, I've got to remember their names, Danica and Noah. There we yes. go. <laughs> Sorry. I, I do remember them. Just It's coming a bit slower to the forefront of my brain. Tell me what God has taught you about um, being a wife, first of all, and then also um, being a mum. I always enjoy these reflections. All right, being a wife. Um, well, being married is a partnership and it's um, it's about working together and also about bringing out the best in each other. Mm. Um so smoothing the edges off each other too, I think. Yeah, and and look, I must say, you know, we've um, unfortunately had a lot of people around us whose marriages have mm. not been uh, as successful um, and for a variety of reasons. And, you know, there have been times when Liam and I have sat down and said, you know, people say, you know, you, you have to work at your marriage and it's a conscious choice every day to love the other person. But if I'm truly honest, it's not that hard um, for Liam and I. You know, we do genuinely get on really well. Mm. Um, I think when we fight, it's usually when we're both really tired <laughs> um, and um, it's usually about stupid things <laughs> like um isn't every fight like trivial that? things yeah. um, it's usually like what's every or under the surface is what really yeah. the f- you want to have the fight about but you fight um, about these silly things that yeah. push you over the edge so yeah so it's just um what what it's what i've learned or what it's taught me is um yeah just to um you've got to make that mind shift that when you're married couple it's we not me and um yeah I would probably say and I'm sure that you know people in my family would echo that I'm not very good at putting myself first I will put um Liam and the kids ahead of me a lot of the time um yeah but um you know at the end of the day it's yeah it's about loving the other person for the things that you genuinely like about them as well as being tolerant of the things that <laughs> maybe irk you sometimes. Mm. Yeah. Uh, is that – do you have uh, battles over which instruments are better? No. 
<laughs> the reason I've read that's, that's, that's a segue to ask you, what instrument did you play? I never asked you that. I played the violin. Oh, did you? Mm. Never felt tempted to do that up front of church. Bit of a, bit I of did a for a very long time. Oh. Um, and um, not uncommon to people that do voluntary ministries. There's often a burnout factor at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and... It's also, you know, for me, I didn't worship God by playing the violin um, because I'd grown up playing classical music. Um, That wasn't something that I did to express my adoration and worship of God. Mm. Um, I know that a lot of other people really derived pleasure from hearing the violin played in Mm. worship but I didn't enjoy it. I found it nerve-wracking. Yeah, okay. Um, and it probably didn't help that I hung around with a lot of people that were musical and then would be critiquing music in church. <laughs> so that sort of probably mm. raised the anxiety levels about it. Um, What's your favourite classical piece to play, though? Let's not, not worry about church. What about just uh, playing? Um... It'd be my favourite would be a Dvorak piano quintet. Mm, yes, know that well. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> but you said you say piano quintet. What does that mean? So it's a chamber music piece where there are two violins, a viola, a cello, and a piano. Mm-hmm. That's all together. Yep. All right. Do so you like playing on your own or with you know, that kind of group? Neither these days. Oh, why don't you play anymore? Don't want to. I, yeah. I grew up with an older brother. Yes. And we both played the violin. Oh, so rather competitive. Uh, I was. I would put myself in the very ugly competitive category for a very, oh, very long time. Oh, you're a very competitive person. Is that what you mean? <laughs> yep. Oh, wow. And, There's um, all these little things coming out. <laughs> we have to. We must return to. And um, yeah, when you're growing up and you start learning a musical instrument just before you're five and you've got a brother who's two years older than you and been learning for two years longer, you don't rationalise that of of course they're going to be that much better because they're older and they've been learning. So, um, yes, it was very competitive um, and my brother is a professional classical musician and I am not. Yes. we would have tracked in terms of our progress pretty similarly the whole way through until I finished school. The difference being is that my brother Matthew did it a lot more easily and with a lot more flair. So than you I had did. to graft a bit Where more. Where it was for me, it was just dig your heels in, mm. grit. Um, and at one point, we did have a violin teacher who thought it would be a really good idea to get my brother to help teach me and consequently if you actually know anything about a violin bow the bow is bowed this Mm -hmm. way Mm -hmm. my bow was bowed this way but also this way from me hitting him with my bow when i get frustrated (laughs) (laughs) that's not how you play bark (laughs) so um yeah I, i look i did play for a while i taught Um, violin when I was going through uni and when I first started working Um, and you know I have no regrets learning the violin Um, it gave me a really genuine appreciation for music and for practice and for persisting Um, but I was happy to let it go Mm. but it did make me very competitive and it wasn't until I played in an Oztag team um, when I was married and <laughs> I played with a really good friend and um, he is a professional athlete and not, not in Austag but another, another sport. Yes. And um, seeing him in our Austag team, there was just a moment of, oh, my I am that person in female form and that is really ugly. 
and it was literally overnight that I just went, no, I'm not going to be like that anymore. And so if you play a game with me now, I'll play, but I'm not going to get anywhere near as upset or competitive about it. And did that competitiveness come just from the violin playing with your brother or something else? It would have, I mean, it would have been a byproduct of yeah. uh, of um, v- learning the same instrument. Um, and I think just that, like, for me, I've always <coughs> been fairly self-motivated and will push myself and, you know, um, want to achieve things and probably also really, you know, really strong desire to be accepted and, you know, mm-hmm. um, well-regarded and, yeah. You know, I was always literally, pardon the pun, second fiddle to my brother. (laughs) (laughs) That is a really good way to wrap up that part of your life. Um. (laughs) He's a brilliant musician and I love love going and seeing him perform. I also realised that I could never live that sort of lifestyle of a professional musician. Not not my idea of... Why is that? It's really unpredictable. Um, where, the, a, where your work's coming from? Stuff yeah, like, yeah, it's an incredibly niche area. Um, and my brother has been very, very fortunate to be in the top echelons of his field to actually have a stable um, position in an orchestra yeah, right. um, where he gets a salary. Otherwise, it is truly the gig economy where yep. you just get paid for your, for your gigs. Um, you do need to be a bit more of a night owl and so your time you know your your time clock sort of shifts mm. a bit and i'm not the biggest night owl well so. as we know <laughs> so um you wouldn't be listening to chip lunches if you, <laughs> if, you if you were a night owl <laughs> well, you probably listen to them at night actually yeah so um yeah so i don't think i could have done it as a career mm. anyway yeah um two more questions because you do have you must get on a train at some point uh I asked you about your children and I'd like, I'd like to know mm. what Danica and Noah have taught you or what God, God, God's taught you through them being a mum. Yep. Um, well, my introduction to motherhood was a little bit rocky. Um, so when Noah was two weeks old, I actually ended up back in hospital with a massive blood clot so life-threatening blood clot so that was um probably the first big lesson of you just don't take anything for granted yeah you can't really have much plans Um, (laughs) and there were some scary moments in there about you know would i die and would that mean that i would leave liam with a two-week-old baby boy um but in general it's I think being a parent gives you a very small insight into how God sees us Um, and that aspect of um, unconditional sort of agape love um, and, you know, much as we get frustrated with our children, um, you know, how much more must God get frustrated with us? Um, But also that you know, that we've all been created with free will uh, and as a parent, you know, particularly a a parent of now adult children, um, that, you know, you they've got to make their own choices and, you know, you may not agree or or like all of those choices but you're, you know, you still love them and, yeah, you just, you know, got to walk that journey with them and be there to support them whatever the outcome will be and um yeah i think that's really what god does with us because i'm sure there's a lot of times that he's you know just okay. you're like he's like again how yeah. many times and he's yeah. just shaking his head yeah. <laughs> um, but he's always there and it's never that he leaves us it's more that we just turn away and choose to walk another direction for a period of time mm-hmm. before we perhaps write our course again. Mm. So in a sense you're saying it gives you an insight to what mm. God must be experiencing with you all the time. Yeah. So it, almost like what it's almost like what right do I have as a parent to get really upset at my children when 
Yeah. My, like I'm doing the same to my Heavenly Father. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I see what you're saying. All right. Well, at the, at, uh, to make sure that you actually get your train, because <laughs> I feel like we haven't really done everything in your in your life so far. But uh, final question that we always ask everyone is, what do you wish in you? What do you wish in you when you were younger that you now know as a Christian? Um, probably that, um, you know, using a Taylor Swift phrase, the oh. haters are always going to hate, hate, hate. <laughs> <laughs> and to, you just recognise that and then to just be yourself and be true to yourself and not be so concerned about what others might think and um, that desire for acceptance. Um, and that's, for me, probably something that um, I struggled with for a long time mm. and um, still doesn't always feel feel or fit comfortably. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, just to be true to yourself, I think I went through, you know, phases when I was much younger trying to please everybody else, but in the end you can't possibly do that. It becomes untenable and um, you often end up losing yourself in that process and um, and therefore not being true to who you are mm. or who God's created you to be. Mm. Well, I think... Uh, because we've been talking a lot about like when you made particular choices and I think it, I feel like it's been a a little bit of your story is grappling with that if we're kind of like what you actually want to do or who you actually are like who God's created you to be but also like what would be the right choices what would God want you to do like what would other people want you to do and all that kind of stuff so but I think just as we wrap up the chips you like to say i can see but in your life though you've made a lot of choices like you know we're always so hard on ourselves i think whereas i think we can see a lot of the choices that you made throughout your life have actually been on the money i mean going to melbourne for example <laughs> where your mum was, yeah, yeah, where your mum was like don't get a boyfriend <laughs> and it actually worked out pretty well pretty well for you i think you would yeah. would agree so and i'm sure your mum probably backtracked on that a little bit now she's she loves lamb. Oh, that's yeah. that's very nice to hear. <laughs> but I think that's what's been encouraging about it is that, that your faith, even though we may not make the right choices all the time, if we're sticking with God, then he's going to get us to the end anyway. Because I was, I don't know if, uh, if you heard on Saturday night, Michael Greaves preached and he talked about a story about me and him not making the right choices when we were at school. And... It was cool contrast to what Stu saying is like, I, well, in this chance I did make the right choice. Cause, yep. yeah. But it wasn't about, oh, what's better? It was about, hey, let's try and make sure that we're trying to follow God's will in all our choices. And I think that's why we do this podcast because you, you haven't talked about just all the right choices that you've made, but also the ones that you're like, I don't wish I didn't do that. But I think, yeah. I think same when we listening to Michael preaching that, on Saturday night or hearing you say that is that we all need to hear that because we know that we're all sinful mm. and we all know we don't make the right choices, but we're all say, Hey, God, if you put God first as much as you can, then, you know, we're all pursuing this thing to just get to get to heaven. really. Mm. And I think it's really, I think, I know you were nervous coming on, but I think it's been really good because I think when the reason we do this podcast is for other people to hear, I have a similar thing. Mm. And that's why we're like, in a sense, we're kind of building community while people are listening to a podcast. That's what we're trying to do. So I think you're a really important part of that. I think it's been really nice to have you on the podcast and I'm glad that you stuck it out and actually decided to come on like because we were texting. Even though it took... What twenty four hours for me to I think reply to your initial text? Yeah, that's fine. I, to go, I don't get. I don't mean. I, at least you replied. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I think a reply within twenty four hours is is good etiquette. So I'm I'm okay with that. Just so so you know. But it's also, but you made the choice. We're talking about choices again. You made the choice, and I think you making that choice, coming on here, telling us about the different choices you made during your life, actually an encouragement to people not 
and exposure of the things that you did wrong. So or that's was what I just being a people pleaser? Well, maybe, but in some ways God always God works for the good of all of us. So <laughs> you might have been, but you also, I think, saying that other people will identify with that too. So that's my favourite part about doing the podcast is when people share their history and the things that they, they think they did right and the things they think they did wrong is like other people can hear and go, oh, yeah, like I went through a similar thing. And that's we're all encouraging each other together. So thank you very much for being a guest on the Chip Lunch Podcast, Andy. And thank you for... Telling up, telling up all the um, chip choices, we'll call it that. So I really appreciate it. And thank you so much for listening to all the podcasts. And for the record, I do not want to have chips with Wynn. Oh, no. no I don't not think anyone does. Come anyway. on, Wayne. No one agrees with that. <laughs> it's going to become church folklore now. It's like <laughs> the guy that freezes his chips or whatever. Definitely. Uh, yeah, I really loved how you, you've pulled out so many different episodes that you enjoyed too, so that's really cool too. Oh, and Amelia, slay. Oh, wow. That's a great way to end the podcast. <laughs> Ugh, not really. Anyway, thank you again, Sandy. It's been really fun. Thank okay. you. Thank you for Thanks. being on. Uh, we always finish with one way if you happen to do it one sure. way. Except I always have to ask, I always want to ask permission because people are like, what's that? <laughs> anyway, thanks everyone for listening or watching if you were. Keep subscribing and enjoying the podcast and we'll see you next week. And thanks again, Sandy. One way. Bye.